We're going to start anyway, even though only two people said they're ready to get started today. We're starting. Okay, we're continuing our series called Surprise. We started this in January, and what we've been looking at is how God surprises us with his miracles, with just what he does in us and through us. We love to be surprised. We love good surprises, not so much on the negative surprises. We absolutely love good surprises. My sister and I, when we were growing up, um, we ruined a surprise. And afterwards, we felt bad about it. So we had, you know, we were a little bit older, and it was Christmas time, and we were kind of wondering, all these presents show up on Christmas Day. And my, my parents were not rich, but they really tended to go all out on Christmas. They, that was a big day. Holidays were really big, and Christmas was huge for my parents. And so we got a lot of surprises on Christmas, things that we weren't expecting. Years and years and years, I asked for a unicycle. I gave up asking Two years later, guess what showed up on Christmas Day? They didn't think I'd learn how to ride it. So my parents loved Christmas. But we were wondering, where, do these, where are these presents located on the 24th of December? Because we didn't have a big house. There was no storage areas. I don't remember how we found out. But we got the key to the camper that was parked in the backyard that we went camping in in the summer. We had Christmas a week early. <laughs> but we couldn't say anything. So on Christmas morning, we're like, oh, wow, thanks. That was, what a surprise. My parents are like, yeah, I'm not stupid written across my forehead. I know something's up here. And so... We not only ruined our own surprises, we ruined them surprising us. Today we're going to kind of flip the script on what we've been doing for the last few weeks. We have been talking about how God surprises us. But instead we're going to look at how we are called to surprise other people. We are called to walk alongside God, be a part of the mix and the program of bringing surprise to other people. It's not just about us receiving surprises from God, but it's about us participating in surprising other people. One of the other things that was a surprise for us on Christmas was the top half of the stocking. The bottom half of the stocking was always the same. So we knew when we were digging in on Christmas, the top half of the stocking is where we're going to be surprised. The bottom half was always the same. At the bottom of the stocking was an orange. It was an or- we lived in Florida. Right above the stocking was always the same thing. You'd reach in your stocking and you knew what was happening. You felt a little plastic bag and it was kind of cushy and you pulled it out. Pack a brand new underwear right there. Every year, Santa always knew my size. We love surprises, but God wants us to be participating with him in surprising other people. We just looked last week at the the book of Acts chapter number 3. I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter number 4 today, Acts chapter number 4. But let's review a little bit about what happened in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. There's a man who is sit, sits there every day. People bring him and set him there to the entrance of the temple. And he begs for money. 
He's crippled. He's never walked a day in his life. And so as Peter and John were coming up to the temple to pray, they looked at him and said, look at us. We want your attention. So the man looked at Peter and John and they said, we don't have any money. We're not going to give you any money because we don't have any. What we do have, we're going to give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And in that moment, that man stood up. A miraculous healing. We see in chapter number four that this man was over 40 years old. He had never walked a day in his life. And all of a sudden, right now, because of the power of God, he can stand up. And it wasn't long before he went into the temple with them. And the Bible says he, he started moving quickly. And he started leaping or jumping up and down. This was an absolute miracle. But the problem was is that not everyone was happy with the miracle. Not everyone was happy because they weren't connected with it. They didn't get credit for it. And it wasn't done within their system. They were in a legalistic system and God's called us to a liberating system. That's what Christians live is with a liberation. And yet these religious leaders didn't like this miracle because they didn't get credit for it. They were into legalism. Well, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to walk through uh, the first few verses of Acts chapter number 4. So we're going to start reading in verse number 1, and we're going to read a little bit, and then we're going to come back and walk through this verse, and we're going to pull out some gems that we can use to, to help surprise some other people. You ready? Acts chapter number 4, verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other high priest family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the cornerstone you builders rejected which has become the chief cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was really nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. 
But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Wow. That's quite a story. Here, there's such a a wonderful miracle, but not everyone's always pleased with miracles because they're not connected with it and they don't get credit for it. But Peter and John, with Holy Spirit boldness and confidence, stood up. And they performed a miracle. God healed this man using Peter and John. And now Peter and John are left there to confront those who are in opposition. You know, there are times when God does something so unique and powerful and wonderful, and He does it through people, and then He leaves the people there to face those who are in opposition. That's when the body of Christ, you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit, must rise up and say, yeah, it's not just about the miracle, but it's about defending the miracle as well. We need to have an apologetic, a defense of the gospel of what we preach and why we preach it, what we do and why we do it. There's some some surprises that these men encountered, this Sanhedrin, this religious people that were not excited about the miracle. The first surprise is they were surprised by the miracle itself. Everyone knew this guy that had been sitting there. He was over 40 years old, day after day after day, year after year after year. Someone brings him, sets him down, gives him a cup, says, let's hope you have a good day. He keeps asking for money because that's what he needed. He couldn't make money on his own, so he's there. And then he's healed, and he's not only just kind of hobbling around, he man, he's full-fledged healed, and now he's running and leaping and jumping. They saw the miracle, and they were surprised by it. It was an unmistakable event, and they could not ignore it. Aren't you looking forward to the day when in Jackson County, churches, believers all across this region are having and experiencing miracles that are so profound that no one can ignore it? They may or may not like it, but no one can ignore it. I'm looking forward to the day when there is such a revival of lost people being born again. And their relatives and their friends and their co-workers will look at them and say, wait a minute, you were on drugs. Wait a minute, I know the lifestyle that you used to live and you're not doing that anymore. What happened to you? And they can say it was all about Jesus. They don't have to say it was about this church and that church and here and there and this. No, it's all about Jesus. That's what it's all about. So they were really surprised with a miracle. And I believe God is going to surprise Jackson County with miracles. The second thing that they were surprised with was they were surprised by a response. Here's the Sanhedrin, who that's the sect of Judaism that they did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. They believed that once you were dead, that's it, done, gone, out, over. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so here, Peter just proclaims that boldly about the resurrection. So they were surprised, I think, that this thing even happened in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus was the ringleader. He was the guy that was stirring everything up, teaching people, performing miracles. But now he's dead. And according to what they believe, he's still dead because there is no resurrection. 
you know, it's like cut off the head of the snake, there goes the snake. So I'm thinking they're kind of surprised that we're having to deal with this guy again. We just crucified him. What they didn't realize was just because you believe there's not a resurrection doesn't mean there isn't a resurrection. Aren't you glad about that? What God does, he does in an unmistakable way, in an undeniable way. And he says there in verse number 10, you can look there, verse number 10, uh, Peter just gives them kind of a one-two jab. I mean, just this uppercut that just rocks their jaw like crazy. He says, uh, this Jesus who you crucified. Well, Peter, man, that was some boldness, wasn't it? I mean, he just stepped up and said, you did that. You he could have just kind of skirted that and kind of went, well, yeah, you know, some people somewhere maybe kind of, we, yeah, they kind of crucified him. No, they said, you did it. It was your plan. You're the one that instigated it. And you know, when you're, when you're fighting with somebody and you're at a distance, you know, you can just reach out and do that jab. You can reach out as far as you possibly can. This was not a jab. This was an undercut. This was just like uppercut, just like Bam, like that. you got to be in close proximity to rock somebody's jaw like that. That's what Peter and John were doing. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be afraid to get up close with those who are in opposition to us. I'm not talking about throwing a literal undercut. Okay, I just want to just make sure everybody knows that. I'm not talking about literally throwing punches. But we've got to be able to say to people, listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross Because of your sin and my sin. The sin of the world is why Jesus went to the cross. If I'm okay, you're okay, everything I do is acceptable, everything you do is acceptable, there's no right, there's no wrong, then explain the cross. That's why Jesus died. And here, Peter just, man, he just goes, bam, and rocks them. He says, you're the ones that did this. But then he says, but God raised him from the dead. He says, I know you guys don't believe in that, but God still raised him from the dead. There's no mistaking it. Jesus appeared over 40 days to all of his disciples. And at one time, he appeared to over 500 people in one setting. It's very obvious that Jesus rose from the dead, and he's making that proclamation. We do not preach a gospel in the name of the Baptist, or the Presbyterian, or the Methodist, or the Pentecostal, or anybody else. We proclaim Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Your sin, my sin, crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. That's what he was proclaiming. He was speaking in the power of God because God had filled him with the Holy Spirit. Then in the very next verse, verse number 11, he gives another uppercut. Because he quotes Psalm 118. He says uh, that stone, Psalm 118 says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. But Peter put a little twist on that. He said, The stone you builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That was a boldness. You remember who we're talking about? Peter. You remember Peter, the guy who denied Christ three times? That's the same guy we're talking about. And on the one hand, there was, the Bible says, kind of a servant girl at, at a fireside, and she was like saying, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he said, no, I don't know Jesus, never been with him. Denied Christ to just a young girl. 
And now he's standing up before the religious leaders. He says, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. You rejected him, but now he has become the chief cornerstone. We can't be afraid to bring some surprise into some people's lives with love, but a confident gentleness. A confidence that is gentle, not arrogant, not not all this yelling at one another. I'm I'm a little, I think we're all a little bit tired of of kind of throwing jabs through Facebook. Yeah, I'm I'm going to throw you a jab across the country. It's not doing any good. Nobody, Nobody cares. You're not changing anybody's minds. Let's get up close and personal and be able to have some good dialogue with people. And there comes a point in time when we can't be afraid to hurt people's feelings if we are in love telling them the truth. I'm not talking about yelling, screaming, hollering. No, that's wrong. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't, if it worked, let's do it. It doesn't work. Let's not. But instead, through love, compassion, but with confidence, say, this is the truth. And he surprised them with that response. But the next surprise that they had was through a revelation, verse 13. There was a revelation that these uh, guys received. It's all of a sudden this surprise of like, okay, let's figure these guys out. Uh, These two guys, the word says there in in verse number 13, they are unschooled. They they haven't been to our college. They didn't go to our seminary. They didn't go there. How can this even happen? We're the guys that are supposed to be the big shots, and they're like a nobody. They're unschooled. You know, there's a difference between being unschooled and unteachable. There's a difference. You can be schooled, but unteachable. Sometimes people who are, have very high levels of education can become so stiff that God has a difficulty breaking through in their life. And yet somehow we find that those who are unschooled and yet very teachable, we have to realize God is working in our lives that He wants to display His goodness and His power and His wisdom even through vessels who are unschooled. And yet we've been teachable. It is the foolish things that God uses to confound the wise, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He chooses those things that appear to be like non-important and like weak. He says, I'm choosing the weak to confound those who are strong. It is the weak things like the preaching of the gospel. Just the fact of preaching through a weak vessel. And somehow God says, look what I can do through very weak vessels who proclaim my word. I've built the kingdom. God says, I have built the kingdom through weak people and not through strong. It is through those things that we say, you know, it doesn't matter if I've, I've been, how much college I have or what, if, am I teachable? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me? And that's what Peter and John had done. They were unschooled, and then it says they were ordinary. <laughs> to me, that's a compliment, but I, I guess it wasn't a compliment in that day. They were just ordinary people. They just kind of acted ordinary But yet there was something about them that was different. They had a power that the Sadducees didn't have. When you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, you cannot believe in Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. Therefore, you cannot be saved. 
But these guys were saved. Peter and John were saved, and they had the power of God working through their life. And then the last thing they noticed there was that they had been with Jesus. You know, isn't that what makes all the difference in the world? They had been with Jesus. Can I ask you a question? How much time do you spend with Jesus? I I ask myself that all the time. If we are walking with Christ and we are communicating with Him and we are submissive to Him, I would submit to you today that greater works than Jesus did, you will be able to do because He has gone back to the Father and you're still here. That's what He said. He said, greater works than he did, you'll be able to do. It's not because you're schooled or because you're extraordinary. Maybe it's because you're unschooled and you're ordinary that Jesus says, wow, now i got somebody I can work through. Now now I've got somebody that I can use because they're not even going to try and get the credit. They're going to say, I'm unschooled and I'm just an ordinary guy. I don't even know what happened. I prayed for this guy and he got healed. Can it be that simple? I submit that it can. I submit it can be just that simple. But that's the revelation that they had. These guys had been with Jesus, and that's what makes all the difference. But the last thing is they were surprised by a proclamation. They were surprised by what we read there in the end, verses uh, 19, 20. They replied, he says, you know what? Uh, You're telling us not to speak anymore in, in Jesus' name, but you guys are like, in with God, supposedly. You guys are schooled. So let me let you solve my problem. You've given me a problem. You've said, I can't teach anymore in Jesus' name. So now I'm going to help you help me solve my problem because you're going to solve my problem. He says, is it right to obey God or to obey you? And we'll just let you guys decide that. But as for us, we can't help but to keep preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. We can't help stop. We cannot stop what we started because God is working in our lives. And if he wants to perform miracles through us, then so be it. So you solve the problem. You know, sometimes we just got to put people's problems back on them. They're trying to put their problem on us and we've got to put it back on them and saying, look, your assessment's completely wrong. You have to justify what you're saying. And that's what they did. He says, we're going to keep doing this. We're not going to stop. We're not going to quit. We're going to keep going. We should never stop proclaiming the name of Jesus. Could we get to the point in Jackson County where we begin to say kind of what Peter was saying here? I think kind of what Peter was saying was, what you've just witnessed today is just the start. There's a whole lot more of that coming, so get ready. That's kind of what he was saying. And as you look through the book of Acts, you begin to see there's miracle, there's miracle, there's miracle, there's miracle. There's a revival, there's a riot. Sometimes at both at the same time. It's constant. People are being saved, healed, raised from the dead, filled with the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit in operation. All kinds of things happening all through the book of Acts. Surprise after surprise after... Peter was just saying, look, guys, what you've seen, get used to it because there's more coming and it will be in the name of Jesus Christ. But this is the same Peter who denied Christ three times. It's the same Peter who, who said, no, I don't even know him. I don't even know him. But yet Peter, though denied 
Christ three times, he repented and he was restored. Remember what happened when Jesus had raised from the dead and he meets with Peter and he, he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, oh, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times that happened. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. God was bringing a restoration to his life. And so then he was, of course, on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then these type things start happening. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to look at Peter and we'll say, well, yeah, he had a lot of problems and he was impetuous and he stuck his foot in his mouth all the time. And then he denied Christ three times and then he repented and God restored him. And then he was perfect and that's why he could perform those miracles. No, not really. If you skip forward to the kind of near the end of the book of Acts, you'll begin to notice that Peter still was concerned about what people thought about him. He was still agitated about, I, 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 need, I need to be right, and I need to, have, I need to have people like me. He was with some Gentiles that had become Christians, and some of the Jews said, yeah, we're not ready for that. And he was with them, and then when the Jews came to visit, Peter like withdrew from the Gentiles like, oh, I don't want anybody to see that we're eating together. What am I saying? Peter didn't have it all together. He, he wasn't perfect. Just like you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, a lack of perfection has never stopped God from doing anything with anybody. In fact, if you're visiting here today, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I just want to give you a warning. If you're perfect, please don't come back. You make us look bad. We're going to look awful. Okay, that's a joke, okay, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, God never uses perfect people. It's the imperfect, us. We're just flesh and blood. We're just making through life. And God says, that's, I want to use you. I want to bless you. I want to I help you surprise some people in my name. And he says, greater works than I've done, you're going to do. It was this Peter who just said, you know what, I'm going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray for the sick and let's see what happens. The Bible even says that as Peter would walk down the street, that they would bring the sick on cots into the street, that even just his shadow would fall on them. For the Apostle Paul, they said he would be building his tents and he'd have a, a cloth there, he'd probably wipe the sweat from his eyes or his forehead or whatever, and they would take those pieces of cloth and they would give it to people who were sick, and they would be healed. They're just people. They're just people. God says, I'm looking for people to just say, let's go, God. Let's go. I, I, I'm going to bring my hang-ups with me. I, I'm going to bring my stuff with me. We're, we're just going to go on the journey, Lord, and I expect that you will heal me, heal me, heal me as I'm doing ministry, as I'm doing the work of the kingdom. God never uses perfect people. He only uses imperfect people. How many of you qualify for that? I qualify, lift up. Yes, that's who we are. When we're proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, that's when miracles happen. But this is a time also when we recognize, you know what? God, I have been so intimidated by my problems. I've been so intimidated by my lack I recognize that I'm weak in certain areas, and because I'm weak in those areas, I don't think you can use me. I don't think you can do with me what this word says that you want to do in me, because I have this stuff going on. I got a past. 
I got a past that maybe someone damaged for me or maybe I did it all by myself. But Lord, I don't think you can use me. And that's the, that's the deception of the enemy. Comes along and says, you're not qualified. If you're born again, if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are qualified for God to work in you and through you to do greater works than he did. You're qualified. But we've got to say, you know, God, I, please help me to know that you're not looking for perfection. Help me to be healed and set free from the deception of the enemy that keeps whispering in my ear, see, you did that, that disqualified you. You remember that thing? That disqualified you. You know, whenever you hear that voice, hey, remember that sin? That is always the enemy because Jesus put it under the blood. Jesus threw it as far as the east is from the west. And in this moment right now, God is saying, I want to bring some healing to people's lives because he wants you to know you are qualified to work in the kingdom. You're qualified. You're unschooled. You're ordinary. But you know Jesus. That's the difference maker. You know Jesus. So this is the time when we say, God, forgive me for thinking that I, that I can't be used. But Lord, I'm in. I'm in all the way. Would you take me and use me? I don't know how you use me. That's up to you. But God, would you use me today? Would you take me on this journey of seeing you do greater things than I even read about in the Bible? I don't understand that. But isn't it going to be exciting when we begin to see it? That will be exciting. The best days of the body of Christ in Jackson County are before us. The best days of the body of Christ in Jackson County are in front of us, not behind us. The best days are yet to come. And I want to be right in the middle of it. How about you? I want to be right in the middle of just seeing people healed, seeing people set free from, the, from, the, from demonic spirits, from the, the oppression of the enemy, set free from sickness that they've suffered their whole life, set free from addiction to drugs and alcohol, set free from pornography, Set free from just sexual sins of all kinds. Set free from being a habitual liar. Set free. Miraculously set free. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he was resurrected from the dead. So you will allow the Spirit of God to work through you to see people set free. And man, when that happens, I'm telling you, there won't be enough seats and enough churches in Jackson County to fit everybody in. And we're going to be going to multiple services and multiple services and building buildings because God is working in Jackson County. I can send money to China and Vienna and everywhere else, but I'm here. We are here. And this is our post. And this is where we work.